0: On this episode of The Popcorn Diet, we wrap up Sports Movie Month by asking a very simple question. Why don't you just go home? That's your home. Are you too good for your home? That's right, we're talking Happy Gilmore. Get your popcorn ready. Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn. I mean, if you can get it, some movie theaters are actually making their popcorn and selling it so you can take it home. Or pretty much whatever movie snack you want to eat while in self-isolation. As always, my name is Rick Williamson, your very best good movie buddy. And joining us as usual is our other good movie buddy, The Canadian Machine mr david melhorn david happy birthday happy early cinco de mayo how you doing
1: i'm doing great you know just another day in uh quarantine paradise
0: another day in paradise that is right uh and april is over pretty much pretty much wrapping up april uh we 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 Wanted to kind of wait till the very end of April and and get this one out. We're wrapping up. April was our sports movie month. And uh, if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, they're kind of a perfect run through of some really great comfort food sports movies. We did Major League to cover baseball. We did the Mighty Ducks 2 to cover hockey. We did Space Jam to cover basketball. And then we just did Draft Day to celebrate the NFL and the NFL Draft, which was a great time. And then the last episode today, we put it up to you, the audience, on our Twitter to vote and narrowly winning that vote was Happy Gilmore, which is kind of perfect because we didn't do a golf episode. Um, And so, yeah, we are we are here to celebrate Happy Gilmore, you know, and the whole idea again of Sports Movie Month is that. We're not really getting a ton of new movies. We're not really getting any new sports. So why not look back at some of the movies that covered some of our favorite sports? Now, David, you're a bit more of a golfer than I am, right?
1: Yeah, I enjoy, I enjoy playing golf. I'm not great at it, but I enjoy playing it. And I, I, I pay attention enough to the results of tournaments, especially the majors. But uh, I, there's some golfers I follow.
0: Well, you and I've played a little bit like I actually I like playing it. It's just not like I'm not the person who's like, let's go golf. Like if somebody were to casually be like, hey, do you want to golf? I would have to ask if they had clubs (laughs) because I don't have any clubs. Um, And then, yeah, I would play. Sure. It's fun. I enjoy top golf, you know, like Mm -hmm. a a little bit of casual driving there. I enjoy or chipping depending on what kind of games you like to play. Uh, I enjoy mini golf as much as the next person. You go, where is it you go on your, like, anniversary, birthday, personal trip, vacation? You go to a golf course, don't you?
1: Yeah, we go to Pebble Beach to Pebble, watch the uh, Pro-Am. Pebble Beach
0: Pro-Am. I was actually, oh, that's interesting. Because we're going to talk about Pebble Beach and the Pro-Am in a little bit. So, we're talking Happy Gilmore, David. This is, and we've, I've heard this, I've heard a couple of podcasts on Happy Gilmore. This is maybe one of the most formative comedies of our young lives. Would do you think I'm out of line in saying that? No, I don't think so. I think that's accurate. Like there's a number, I mean even as I was thinking about kind of our history with this with this movie, uh there's even quotes that I remember you pulling out every now and then that I forgot were like associated with happy Gilmore. Like you're going to die clown, like stuff like that, that came from this movie. Um, what do you remember? What are your, what were your thoughts on happy Gilmore? Were you pulling for this one to win? Did you not care? Uh, I have my own thoughts on Adam Sandler, my comp, my complicated thoughts on Adam Sandler, but how are, how are you with happy Gilmore? Uh,
1: I love it. I mean, obviously it's something that, you play golf it gets quoted probably too much on the golf course (laughs) but is still always you know good for a laugh um there's just so many lines that are quotable it's it's one of those movies that to me is like peak adam sandler to me peak adam sandler though is happy gilmore and billy madison like everything else it's like that's early adam sandler too every everything else is like a tear down not that he hasn't done other things that have been good or great but like those two movies to me are are the adam sandler i enjoy um i haven't as much been into like somewhat rom-com Adam Sandler which I feel or family movie Adam Sandler not that I don't enjoy those movies but it's not the same as like the over the top ridiculous Adam Sandler from Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison
0: paired with an a romantic comedy Adam Sandler where he's paired with an unreasonably attractive co-co-star much like Adam Sandler's rom-coms very much follow the format of sitcom uh relationships sure. where it's just like a total just dump truck of a human being married to an inexplicable smoke show. I think he has had, I mean, even going, going to this, where we you got Julie Bowen, you got Drew Barrymore, Farouja Ball, you got um isn't he married to Salma Hayek in the grown-up movies? Like it's just oh yeah, just nonsense, absolute nonsense. Uh, Jennifer
1: Jennifer Aniston and what's her name Jennifer
0: Aniston Winona Ryder yeah it's it's Jessica Beal like damn damn Adam Sandler well when you're when you're the star and executive producer of most of your movies you can kind of choose who's ever in your movies Um, I would agree with you in that happy Gilmore Happy Gilmore and The Wedding Singer are probably my favorite two Adam Sandler movies. The Waterboy is close. Big Daddy is pretty good as well. And then Mr. Deeds, mostly because he's playing normal people. The Waterboy really teeters on the edge of the stuff from Sandler I don't like, which is when he decides to do a voice or something like that. But most of the time when he's just like an average dude with an anger problem, I'm on board. And that's where happy. That's where happy Gilmore comes into play. Like there's something funny about a kind of a lovable dimwitted loser, but who can also just thrash anybody he wants for whatever reason is really entertaining. I've always found that entertaining. When I was rewatching this, I found it entertaining. Um, just his random outbursts of violence, uh, the first heckler he has at the uh at his first golfing event when he just he does the hockey movie, pulls his short shirt over him and, and uppercuts him. Uh when he punches the nose off the clown at the mini golf course. Like it's mm-hmm. just funny. I don't know why. I can't reasonably explain it, but it's just funny to see Adam Sandler have his outbursts. So his like like you said, his his less his his more uh what do i want to say his more recent work a little less so you know i i am not on board with the grown-ups franchise i'm not on board with jack and jill i'm not on board with most of his netflix movies to be honest with you although i've heard that they have gotten better somewhat um i uncut gems i mean we we talked on this show quite a few times about how I I was back on the Adam Sandler train for Uncut Gems, and I still am. Like, I'm still, it's kind of a good one-two punch of this and hap- of that and Happy Gilmore to see where he, he's come from.
1: Um, yeah, well, and I think the thing to know with Adam Sandler is I think he's legitimately a good actor, and he's proved that when he's dipped his toe into mm-hmm. Oscar-type roles, um, just most of the time he's making, like, stupid not i won't say like low budget cuz i think that makes you think of something specifically but right like just there's not a lot of thought put into them um they're lowest feel,
0: common denominator stuff
1: yeah and i feel like his his recent ones feel almost like lazy or just too outlandish like yeah. one end of the spectrum whereas i feel like billy madison and happy gilmore kind of hit that like perfect sweet spot of like ridiculous but also like simple straightforward plot and like no like extra frills like no like playing a brother and a sister or right the one that he did with uh oh what's his name kevin what's where they pretend to be married um, oh
0: uh kevin james i now pronounce yeah. chuck and larry
1: yeah like for
0: click or click saddest freaking movie i've ever seen
1: yeah so i i feel like in those like they're trying to be something they're they're not (laughs) from that standpoint yeah whereas these like know exactly what they are and don't try to be more than that don't try to be less than that but they keep like a very simple straightforward story i mean we're talking happy gilmore it's a a hockey player that (laughs) picks up golf because he's good at it because he wants to save his grandma's house. Yeah. And you know, there's a nemesis in it and there's a girl in it, like pretty straightforward. Like you check the box of, you got Chubbs who's is the teacher you got Chris McDonald and, and shooter McGavin who's the villain. And then, you know, like I said, you got grandma and you got uh, the girl and I'm blanking on the girl's name,
0: Julie Bowen,
1: Julie Bowen. So I feel like it's just, you know, very simple and straightforward and it allows him his ridiculousness not to like get like just caught up in everything else that's going on. You know,
0: one other thing about Sandler before we, before we turn to focus on uh, uh, the the movie itself, I, you know, I was thinking, cause you, you, you use, you, you paused from saying the word low budget, right? Which is true. Like it's not low budget. It's, it's really lowest common denominator type stuff. It's really, uh, uh, it's just dumb, stupid humor, right? But a thing that I, I just looked up here is Adam Sandler's net worth is, and I don't know how updated this article is, but Adam Sandler's net worth is around $420 million for net worth. And that's because he's built his little Sandler empire, his little happy Madison empire as an executive producer, as a producer, as an actor and all that stuff. Like 420 million is puts him at number five on this list. Like he's above Brad Pitt. He's above Robert Downey Jr. He's above Will Smith, Tom Hanks. Like some of these, some of these guys are, you wouldn't consider them or you wouldn't consider Sandler to be in their ballpark, but you can't deny the the business
1: model that he's following is a, is a crowd pleaser and a moneymaker. Well, I think he's, he reminds me a lot of Samuel L in the sense that he's not afraid to take a role or anything like that. Like, I don't think there's any like calculation in, what he does like there's no like I want to do this type of film or I want to do that type of film like I just want to be working like I want to be regularly working and you know where Samuel L is usually just taking every role that comes his way it feels like Sandler seems to be like you know obviously has a creative team behind him that's like just coming up with what's the next movie because the dude puts in work Like whether it's quality or not, he definitely goes for quantity.
0: He has released a movie every year for the past 22 years. The last year, and I want to double check this. The last year he did not release a movie was 1997. Yeah. He hit at least, at least one movie Every year for the last 22 years, that's impressive. That's impressive. You, you can't deny it. So so let's go and look at Happy Gilmore. Let's look into the history books a little bit. This came out in 96, which was, uh, what were we? We were about 10, probably, yep, when this movie right came out. That. Yep. I don't remember seeing this in the theaters, no. particularly. Um, some of the people involved, I mean, obviously the cast, You know, we got uh, the first time a lot of us were introduced to, like, Alan Covert, who's one of his normal crew. Uh, Ben Stiller, you know, was showing up in this as well. Filling it out with a lot of other really interesting actors. Obviously, getting Kevin Nealon on board. You got Carl Weathers. You got Richard Keel, who played uh, Jaws in James Bond. Julie Bowen, as we said, who went on to have a really strong run in – Uh, Modern Family. Um, We'll get to my two favorite guys in just a second, but I did want to talk about the director and the writer here. Director is Dennis Dugan. And Dennis Dugan is a big SNL Sandler comedy director. He did this Beverly Hills Ninja, Big Daddy, Saving Silverman. And then he did a boatload of movies for Sandler as well. He did I Now Pronounce You, Chuck and Larry. He did Don't Mess With the Zohan. Both grown-ups movies and unfortunately Jack and Jill uh, were all directed by Dennis Dugan. Um, and it was written by Sandler and Tim Hurlihy. And if you don't know Tim Hurley, pretty much most of Sandler's stuff was co-written by Tim Hurleyhee. Not not everything, you know, just to to be clear, but I mean, we're talking Wedding Singer, Waterboy, Big Daddy, Little Nicky, Mr. Deeds, Grown Ups 2, Pixels, Ridiculous 6. Like, executive produced most of his stuff as well. So he's, you know, you talked about his team, David. Mm-hmm. Tim Hurley, he's like A number one on the team uh, in terms of producing and writing and directing and stuff like that. Obviously, Sandler. This was his seventh film. Um, Technically this was his seventh film Um, He did Going Overboard Which I watched the trailer of And looks absolutely horrendous Um, He was uh, Supporting in Shakes the Clown He was supporting in Coneheads Uh, He was the third lead in Airheads He was supporting in Mixed Nuts He did Billy Madison before this And then he did Happy Gilmore And then after this was You know Happy Madison came out of this that's obviously the name happy madison um and then it it, this kind of launched him i mean billy madison was was big but then it was the wedding singer the water boy and then he was officially adam sandler comedy star um i also want to give a special shout out and i don't know where else we're going to talk about this maybe in the realism and stuff like that but to christopher mcdonald as shooter mcgavin he turned down this role twice um before because he didn't want to be typecast as a villain um but then they kind of gave him a little bit of creative freedom with it creative freedom and let him uh do improvisation and whatnot david i'm going to ask you a question is shooter mcgavin and we have done four sports movies and we have watched plenty more than this but is shooter mcgavin the best sports movie
1: villain ever he's in the conversation right I mean, he's definitely in the conversation. I mean, you have to go back and forth between, you know, obviously this is a comedy, and there's a specific type of movie that is the sports comedy. Sure. I mean, we've done mostly sports comedies as we've gone through this, but uh, I mean, you got people like Drago from from uh, from Rocky. Rocky. I mean, good point. He's got to be up there. I mean, he literally kills someone, you know. So <laughs> true. So it, it it depends. I mean, he's he's very iconic. I will say that, and I think he's he's easy to hate in here, but he's also like so over the top that it's it's just funny. <laughs> like it's it's true. Like there's some sports villains where you like legitimately hate them and are like beat him, beat him, and in this like you kind of know that obviously he's gonna win. Right. But like, he just plays such a great counterpoint to. Happy, (laughs) I think. Well, I think what's really funny is that, like, for the most part, Shooter is
0: right. Like, for the most part, like he's a dick. Let's be very clear. But like Shooter's right. Like, golf is, and you, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. You're the golf guy, but golf is one of those. It's like it's probably the most protected sport in terms of tradition, next to say baseball, where you just have people who are sticklers for tradition. And that's the, you know, that's he paid his dues. He stuck with that tradition. Now is his time. And here comes Happy Gilmore, and everybody decides suddenly, oh, we're going to change the way we did everything. Like, I kind of understand why Shooter would be mad, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just like in baseball. Like, there's the concept of, you know, the old traditionalist guard and, you know, kind of the newer age or the newer uh, generation um there's a lot of things like when tiger woods came on the scene that you know a lot of the traditionalists didn't like <laughs> and right right you know the way he carried himself and the way he acted and you know stuff like that and even just the way he changed the game from a physical standpoint like he was a golfer who lifted weights and like yep. no one at that point like did anything like that so like You have that example um, Mm -hmm. and I think like baseball there's the the dynamic of these baseball players that want to have the bat flips and want to celebrate their home runs and yet you know the old traditional baseball players the stuffy traditional players think that's showing off and showboating and so they're going to bean you or throw a baseball at your head the next time you're up to plate, which is just ridiculous. So I think this movie obviously is completely over the top and, and none of this will ever make it into golf. But I do think the thing that happy Gilmore did like it does in the movie is make it more approachable to like the common person. Like, sure. Um, you know, if you or I were watching old golf, like, and, and just general public, I would say, there's not a lot to identify with, like no. if you're watching it and it's, pretty difficult to do like i would say it's one of the more difficult sports for like the average person to play regularly because of the costs involved like not only like the cost cost of clubs like you can find clubs for cheap like used clubs or that sure to afford playing like i can go out and play basketball on any random court anytime i can go play baseball wherever i can go play football wherever like golf you need like a golf course and like it's a good point the cheapest golf course is going to be like 20 bucks you know for a round and so and it takes three and a half four hours so it's it's never been really that approachable i think for most people and so to get like this ridiculous comedy that has adam sandler in it and again early adam sandler but has some things that are fun (laughs) about it and not like stuffy and pretentious I think is is kind of what this movie does in a lot of ways.
0: The Game of Kings. That's why they call it the Game of Kings. Before we move on, because I want to talk to you, I want to talk with you. Obviously, I wanna I wanna get your uh, your stats on how this did and whatever. But I quickly looked up Sports Illustrated did a 25 Greatest Sports Movie Villains. They had Drago at number one. They had Cancer from Brian's Song Jesus at number oh, two. Um, and then they had Shooter at number three. Okay uh bleacher report also did the same thing they had apollo creed at number one and they had shooter at number two um and then there's i mean there's a couple other ones yard barker has him at number two behind ivan drago but he is consistently credit again to christopher mcdonald and what he was able to do with with the character he's consistently you know amongst those who write about sports at least (laughs) Considered to be a top tier sports movie villain. And as you said, David, I think in terms of like hilarious comedy movie villain, like the, I don't think anybody's close. I think he's the n- number one in a in a walk. Oh, for um, sure. so this movie came out in 96. How did it do? Was it I mean, obviously, we think it's a it's a big, you know, it's a big benchmark, not only in Sandler's career, but kind of our comedy tastes as we were growing up. But was it a huge success? Was it well liked? How did it do?
1: Well, I think especially for ninety six, I think you gotta call it a commercial uh, success. It debuted at number two when it came out um, at with eight and a half million in revenue, which again, doesn't sound like a lot these days. but for a comedy in ninety six, like when movie ticket prices were you know anywhere from like three bucks to five bucks, like that's pretty good um also made uh i think a total of 41.2 million worldwide most of that was obviously north american it was 38.8 was in north america um critically it's kind of as predicted there wasn't a, there's not a ton of reviews comparably from critics there's only 54 critical reviews on rotten tomatoes um gets 61% which i think is kind of to be expected you know it's not exactly a highbrow comedy so you could sure. see critics not exactly uh liking it as much
0: that money was also i did the calculations it's around 70 million dollars nowadays there you go
1: so you know and i think most when it's a budget of 12 million i think people would uh, would definitely call that a, a success probably be also because of how quickly i'm sure they were able to film this because there's it was pretty much all filmed in actually british columbia up in canada yeah (laughs) on like two golf courses so um makes it pretty easy to do it was funny to read kind of some of the like golfers reactions to it um they did get a a golfer to kind of be a consultant on it okay and his initial reaction, it was actually his name's Mark Lai. He's a former pro golfer. and I think he's in the movie, too. I think he might have a cameo in there. But uh, they originally were going to make this like very realistic as far as like the actual golf. And some of the things they talked about, Like they were going to have it at Augusta. And obviously not call it Augusta, but make it very Augusta-ish. It was going to be a green jacket. He was going to win the Masters Tournament and the consultant basically said like this type of movie would be like desecration on the game of golf well exactly he, he he talked them into turning it into a gold jacket and you know making it feel a little less uh less realistic from that standpoint so it didn't uh mirror quite as closely to to golf in real life but uh you also have like lee trevino who makes a a cameo in it who mm-hmm. always tells people how he regrets it because of the amount of cursing that was in the movie, <laughs> um. which it's still a PG 13 movie Lee. It's all right. It's still a PG 13 movie. And I think comparatively to a lot of movies that come out, it's uh, it's pretty mild for sure. For sure. Uh, and so that was, I, I think,
0: I mean, again, comedy is so tough. You know, you look at Roger Ebert's take, one and a half stars, not great for Raj. No, um, which Roger Ebert has never been a great comedy guy. I don't think. I don't. I've. I. I have yet to see a like a good review
1: for. Her. Although I think they liked Space Jam, but at least not in this kind of like. Yeah, I'm not gonna say slapstick, but stupid comedy for <laughs> is what I'll call it. like his his critiques on it is adam sandler's just unreasonably angry all the time and it doesn't have a pleasing personality and it's like well that's part of who he is it's relatable yeah so it's like he's he's supposed to be over the top he's supposed to be a failed angry hockey player so right i mean his critiques were a little funny to me. But.
0: It is. It's funny. So that so I know I said tail the tape, but that was kind of the history books, you know, going over the history books here. Um, Obviously, th- this movie set in and around 96. We're f- we're following Happy Gilmore. You know, Adam Sandler plays Happy Gilmore, former amateur hockey player, now amateur golfer. You know, his big goal, much like everything else in, in a sports movie, particularly a sports comedy, is. He's got to raise money to save grandma's house from the taxes. He's trying to fit in on the pro tour. He's trying to beat Shooter McGavin, trying to earn the love of Julie Bowen, all that kind of stuff. But, David, this is where, because you had mentioned when they showed it to Mark Lye, uh, he said that, you know, changes had to be made. And there wasn't any type of official participation um, by the PGA or by any... Pro golfing organization to this movie, quite the opposite from what draft day was like. Um, but I wanted to get your idea. I, you know, golf a little bit better than I do, as we previously stated, but uh, I tried to pick apart what some of these golf games might be and it might what they might be representing. Okay, so the first. Pro match, he gets he gets set up at. Obviously, he does the uh, uh, the invitational, the Waterbury Open, right? Yep. But then his first uh, turn. What's the proper word there? Game tournament tournament. Okay, uh, his first tournament is the sign says AT and T welcomes the Pro Golf Tour, so it's the AT and T Invitational Championship, and mm-hmm. that's when. You know, Happy gets pranked by Shooter. That's when he meets a couple of the other. That's where Mark Lie comes in because he's part of the uh, gold jacket uh, crew that is talking. Um, but is it reasonable to believe that if, if, <laughs> if AT&T is sponsoring this invitational, is it reasonable to believe because AT&T also sponsors the Pebble Beach program that this is what that event is? Or am I stretching?
1: Um, I think the first tournament would be more like kind of just your random tournament. I think pro am, if you're going to compare it to, would be the the Pepsi pro am that they do. So Pepsi sponsors the one where he pairs up with Bob Barker. Now let me g- ask
0: you a question about that. Yeah. Pro am, and we're going to learn a little bit about golf here. I always thought pro am meant professional and amateur. Am I wrong?
1: Yes, it does. So it means there's pros playing and there's also amateurs playing. Gotcha. And typically the amateurs are not like just golfers who haven't gone pro yet. It's usually like celebrities paired with pros. Gotcha. So Gotcha. Cuz a lot of some tournaments like the Pebble Beach like particularly hangs their hat on being a pro-am and the amateurs play the entire tournament. Um, But there are some tournaments where they will do a pro-am on Wednesday and then the tournament happens Thursday through Sunday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So like for instance, waste management here in Phoenix does a pro-am on Wednesday and I don't think they play 18 holes. Maybe they do. Um, But it serves almost like a practice round for the players and it gives the opportunity to, I'm sure, sell tickets an additional day as well as get some celebrities out there to create some buzz.
0: Sure. I just looked up because I know Bill Murray and his brothers are big in, and they do their Murray Brothers Caddyshack Charity Golf Tournament uh, every year. They've been doing that for 20 years. Uh, Caddyshack, obviously, great golf film. Sure. I'm trying to think of a couple of other golf films, maybe Tin Cup uh Didn't the greatest, cup, game, greatest game
1: greatest game ever, game ever played ever, legend which is of good bagger, that's a good movie legend of bagger vance there you go
0: legend of bagger vance i forgot Smith about for that you. yeah i forgot about that one um yeah so that was funny also i did pepsi also does i believe sponsor a real pro-am but it's in san francisco i think um I don't know. I was, I was fascinated. You, you know what? I mean, we've done it in the last few episodes where we try to match up as close to real life as, as what it would have been. Um, there was no shooter McGavin, obviously there were, I think in 95 and 96, there was a, uh, I mean, Mark Lye was obviously popular, but there was also, I think it was a couple of Australian guys who names escape me. This is very Jeff bad Norman. podcasting. There you go. Thank you.
1: Jeff Norman was the, the big, uh, was one of the big names, but you also had like Jack Nicklaus and, and uh, Phil Mickelson was just getting started back then. Uh, So you, most of the, uh, the players are, you know, Fred couples, Tom Watson, a lot of older names who maybe are on the senior tour now. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Lee Trevino. Lee, good old Lee Trevino. Yeah. I mean, in,
0: I think you had it right. Whereas in 96, Yeah! Wow. Vijay Singh, I forgot about.
1: Yep, yep. So John Daly's still kicking around. Yeah, they don't (laughs) they don't get a ton of uh, cameos from players. They do have, I mean, the product placement in this. You got incredible. You got ESPN covering it. Yep. You've got Golf Digest, Red Lobster, Sizzler, AT and T, Pepsi, Michelob. Visa subway. Subway, Pepsi, subway, Pepsi Max.
0: I would like Diet to Pepsi, know.
1: Budweiser. I mean, uh, you've got top flight. So they didn't get, you know, in golf, I would say Titleist is kind of like your top top end sure. golf provider. Sure. Um, Nike actually wasn't really that big of a name back then, um, because they didn't really get into golf until Tiger came along. Um, or is Which not is funny because n- Happy's wearing
0: now. Happy's wearing Nikes. I actually noticed that, like he's wearing his, but if they're sandler basketball shoes. Sure, exactly. You know, but Subway. I wonder how much money Subway paid to uh, to to have this movie made because they are everywhere. Absolutely. <laughs> in This movie. Uh, shouts out to Subway. Good for them for for locking in. The, uh, the happy Gilmore money. So, yeah, so we're going to break down the players and we're going to talk about the games in a little bit. But before we do, we got to take a quick little break. What's up, good movie buddies? Before we continue, I want to remind everyone that you can get free episodes of The Popcorn Diet delivered to you just by hitting the subscribe button or following us wherever you're listening from. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, write us a review, share us with the other good movie buddies out there. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet and consider becoming a patron of this little independent movie podcast filled with love. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, keep the podcast going, but it's also going to give you exclusive patron only access to things like early episodes, franchise refills episodes, and more. So check that out by going to patreon.com slash the popcorn diet, of course. We don't want you to forget that you can also follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at the Popcorn Diet. And last but certainly not least, you can find all of our latest regular episodes, articles, and more on our website, PopcornDietPodcast.com. Let's get back to it. All right, so this one's a little – I mean, it's different in a way that golf is a truly an individual sport. Like, we did – we did the Mighty Ducks. We broke down the team players. We did Major League. We broke down the team players. We did Space Champ. Broke down the team players. Draft Day was a little weird. We broke down the ro- Browns roster spots here, but like, there's literally, I mean, there's basically a f- only four players. I, I mean, it's really down to Happy and Shooter, right? Although we could make a we could make a case and do a scouting report on Bob Barker and Gar- and Gary Potter who. Kevin Nealon plays Gary Potter before Harry Potter is a very weird name to say because it sounds like a knockoff of Harry Potter, but this predates Harry Potter. Um, so give us a scouting report, David, on Happy Gilmore. What, what I mean, obviously, the unconventional style, the meteoric long drive that. I don't know I've, uh, if I've ever seen anybody actually be able to replicate. Is that drive even possible to do?
1: It is. Um, you know, it's obviously very, very difficult. There was actually, <laughs> there's, so there's a whole nother side of golf that is the longest Dark. drive competitions where there's okay. guys who just literally try and hit the ball as far as they can. Um they do have to have some accuracy. They do have to keep it in between two lines. Um but there's a whole circuit or tour. Um I would put it on the level of like bowling and archery and things like that. Like there's no crossover. Like no one does longest drive and plays on the tour, at least not it's like the Ocho of of golf sports. Basically. (laughs) Um because a lot of them are just like these dudes that are just ripped and just huge and are just swinging as hard as they can and probably have no touch on their game outside of that. But who knows? I, like I said, I, I didn't do a whole lot of research into whether longest drive players have been on the tour at all, but um, there was a long drive champion. uh, His name was Jamie Sad Sadlowski. He was actually a former hockey player and he was, okay. (laughs) and he can hit golf balls over 400 yards. So he was basically called like the real-life Happy Gilmore. So um, it's possible to hit the ball over 400 yards. Um, And even one of the pro players on tour, his name's Padraig Harrington, kind of got known around tour for his impersonation of Happy Gilmore and being able to hit the ball really well doing the Happy Gilmore. I actually am pretty good at the happy Gilmore, or at least I was back when I was younger um, um. and used to mess around in the golf course, but you can definitely get extra distance doing the happy Gilmore technique. Uh, but it's really, really difficult to be accurate. So yeah. I looked,
0: I looked up the 2019 world long drive championship purse. And cause I was thinking, cause that's interesting because why wouldn't Happy just like if he could do like a sideshow ESPN8 the Ocho Long Drive competition rather than actually learn how to play golf, and earn money that way? Like why wouldn't he? Right. Well, the first place open division prize is only one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. Yeah. Now that's twenty nineteen money. Okay. Um. I wonder if that would be worth it. I wonder if that would be worth it in in our money in, in our money in, uh, in, in modern money.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm interested in what that value is. Well, um, just to let you know, the Guinness world record for longest driving competition is 516 yards.
0: 500. Jesus, man. So that would have only been $125,000 would have only been $75,000 back in 1996. So it wouldn't have been enough to save grandma's house.
1: Also, and just in case you're wondering whether longest drive was around back then, uh, the longest drive competition actually started in uh, 1976. So it was going on. To oh, give what's perspective, going on then?: In '76, the longest drive winning was 307, which pretty much every tour player drives well over that now. Right. Um, and Happy that- Gilmore was hitting over 400 you saw the big jump happen in 97 when it went up to 412 Um, but if you look since 2010 pretty much every winner has been over 400 yards Um, there's some things that can play a role into that which would be like wind and because they do have to get it in between um, two lines like if it randomly fell on a super windy day that would make longest drive competition is really difficult sure Um, but there's plenty of people who have hit over 400 yards is what i'm getting at
0: interesting interesting so happy happy wouldn't have been able to go there and he wouldn't have been able to to save grandma's house just by doing the long drive which is no
1: definitely not enough money and and probably more difficult competition sadly yes
0: so let's talk about shooter mcgavin i mean obviously we talked about him in in terms of the sports movie Villain pantheon here, but again, is shooter a dick? Yes, unequivocally. Is he a pompous, arrogant asshole? Yes, that's not up for debate. Literally, like the first thing that he does is meets Julie Bowen's character who's the tour publicist, right? Like she has a job to do, and then is like, Can you get me a Pepsi? Make it a diet. Like, he's the type of guy who's like, Oh, a girl, you're here to go get me things, please, and thank you. But I mean he's popular. He he before Happy Gilmore came in with his rock and roll stuff, Shooter was the most popular guy on the tour. Like they brought him into the Waterbury Open to give even though he was above it and acted above it, like he still showed up to give everybody, you know, the 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 welcome speech and all that kind of stuff. I I I kind of see his point and maybe this is part of me getting older, but I kind of see his point as in He played the traditional game his entire life, and now Happy Gilmore's coming in and ruining it. Um, As far as skills go, I mean, Shooter's the better golfer, right? Like, that's not up for debate, is it? Or am I crazy?
1: No, I mean, well, I mean, other than the last tournament, I mean, Shooter's the better golfer for sure. And I would also say that, to your point, I think Shooter is just purely a jerk a a dick for the first half of the movie and then once you get to the pro-am when he pays the guy to yeah heckle him i think from that point forward he starts going overboard he buys up he buys grandma's house he you know
0: That's the craziest thing to me is he starts picking a fight with happy Gilmore immediately. And he doesn't need to that. It would be like tantamount to LeBron James tailoring his entire game to some D league guy who got called up on a 10 week, a 10 day contract. Like shooter just completely takes his eye off the ball, pun intended because this Happy Gilmore guy is just getting more popular. Like, he has nothing to fear. Happy is nowhere near him for the majority of the championships.
1: But I think that plays into, you know, all athletes or people. Like, anytime some of your limelight is getting stolen by someone, whether you have to worry about them, you know, taking it over or not, it's, it's going to, you know it's going to get on people's nerves. Like if, if you're sure. out here winning all these tournaments, but all people are talking about or asking you questions in in your press conferences about dude that got 65th but can hit the ball really far, like it's eventually going to get under your nerves from that standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. You're
0: right though. The, the hiring of the heckler and the buying of grandma's houses, it takes it to a whole different level.
1: Yeah. Because Thanks. up until that point, I think – he's probably fairly realistic if like some new hotshot came on the tour. Like, right. I'm sure there's guys on the tour that would be jerks and like haze him for, you know, his first tournament and, you know, treat the publicist people that way. Like, <laughs> I'm sure there's people on tour right now that are, are, are similar to that. But like I said, I think once you get to him paying someone to heckle him, that's when it's probably unrealistic. I don't think anybody on the tour probably has paid anybody to (laughs) another player. So let me ask you one
0: more shooter question and then we'll move on here. It's kind of like the Indiana Jones question, like in Indiana Jones and Raiders of Lost Ark, a lot of people make the argument that if Indiana Jones did absolutely nothing, it still would have wound up the same way. Right. Um, similar question. If shooter McGavin did absolutely nothing, would he have been able to win the final championship? Because if Shooter McGavin doesn't go buy that house, right? Now, admittedly, he was going to use it to leverage him to get him to quit. Okay, so that plan kind of backfired. But if he doesn't go let him buy the house, or if he doesn't go try to outbid on the house, then either A, Happy buys the house back for his grandma and has no more reason to play, or B, gets outbid and the quest is over. Like Shooter didn't have to inject himself into that.
1: Do you agree? I would say Shooter wins the gold jacket if he doesn't buy the house because right, Happy was pretty self-destructive on his own. Um, <laughs> yeah, so there was a good chance he was going to lose it at some point because, like it shows in the in the movie, like it's not you know he does still have some accuracy issues also uh-huh. it never would have sent him back to Chubbs to learn how to putt right and so as long as that piece was missing from his game he was never going to win a tournament and especially not beat shooter so had he just left it alone yes he would have had to share the limelight and he would have lost some of his limelight but he also would have won the gold jacket because to your point once Happy earned enough to buy his grandma's house back. He probably quits or at least takes a break, and probably right. at a minimum misses the the tournament for the gold jacket. At the
0: minimum, but as always, pride comes before the fall. The real the real thing that takes him down is his own hubris. Things like that. It's true. Um, so this one's this one's kind of a coin toss, man. Because obviously, when we pick MVP, most valuable player best player on the team, best player in the movie. Who who without any without me leading you on in any way shape or form, who would you say is the MVP?
1: Well, you know, I could make a case that Chubbs is the MVP because Okay, okay. okay. Because one Happy Gilmore never plays golf on the tour if not for Chubbs because right. he doesn't even know that you can go doesn't even know about the waterbury open he doesn't know that you can win money playing golf he doesn't he doesn't know any of that and then you know adding to that he's the one that teaches happy to putt Mm -hmm. and allows him to win the gold jacket win back grandma's house all of that none of that is possible you know yes happy can hit the ball a long ways and you know presents a you know, ability that no one else on the tour has, which makes him, you know, the best, at least in that tournament. Shooter's the best golfer. Happy has the best ability, but you know, none of that happens without Chubbs. Right. Right. That being, exactly. That being, that being said, I'm picking Happy.
0: So <laughs> I like that argument for Chubbs. I was gonna I mean basically my entire argument up until now has been for Shooter. Okay. Um but I think you sold me on Chubbs. I like it. Like, you're right. Like, it. if if not for Chubbs, none of this happens, right? And none of it improves or anything like that. So, Chubbs is a good pick. So, okay. So, let's move on to uh, Sixth Man, six Woman, mm-hmm. which is who makes the biggest impact with the least amount of time? I have four nominees here. And you're welcome to add more, but I have four names here. Um, the first is the Zamboni driver. For Happy okay. Gilmore, anything, and him singing Endless Love is just excellent. He's he's got like two lines. He's in the movie for five minutes, if that, and memorable. Doesn't even have a name. The next one is Donald, who's the uh played by Joe Fla- uh uh F- Joe Flaherty, who is the unruly fan that shooter hires, calling happy a jackass the entire time, running him over with this VW bug, knocking over the the satellite tower, all that. Then I have Mr.
1: Larson, who is Richard Keel, who's Jaws. You can count on me waiting for you. You in the, in the parking, parking lot. lot. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good. I love Richard Keel in this movie. Um, and then
0: obviously I have Bob Barker. Uh, And just, again, one scene I think maybe one of the greatest cameos of all time Like, just an incredible heat check from Bob Barker In terms of playing against his personality um, Literally endearing him to a whole new generation of fans and beyond And he gets to have a fist fight with Adam Sandler and beat the shit out of him uh yeah, so they, those are the f-
1: go ahead they they talked about kind of as you read on the movie they talked about how this uh this ended up increasing ratings for the price is right among the younger demographic I believe it that barker had claimed basically every show someone would ask him about happy gilmore and <laughs> they also said that the producers had tried multiple times and failed to try to get a younger demographic watching the show and nothing had worked. And then this movie comes along and his cameo comes along and they get a, a boost from the younger demographic. So, um, yeah. Um, the only other two I would nominate in there, uh, actually I got three. Um, you got the, the blonde haired caddy from the, from the Waterbury open (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> which is maybe one of my <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the whole movie which is like where were you on that one dipshit <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> and then him choking him at the end when yes,
0: he yes yes uh, that kid did you know so that kid is played by jared van snellenberg who's actually an academic he's an assos, assistant professor of psychiatry at stony
1: brook university of medicine maybe he took a lot of what he learned from the movie maybe he did i don't know but that's good for him um so he was another one i had i also had um his caddy the rest of the movie which is one of his buddies yep Yep. alan covert uh, yep that uh joins him in pretty much all his movies after this yep and then uh the last one that i had and this one's really a heat check because he doesn't have a lot of moments is the shaking his head. Official who I think that's Lee Trevino. Is that Lee Trevino? I can't I'm remember. pretty
0: sure that's Lee Trevino. It is Lee Trevino.
1: Is it? Okay. Yeah.
0: The guy who's like, Grizzly Adams did have a beard.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then shakes his head when happy does ridiculous things. And then, yeah. Is even there when Chubbs fa- falls out of the apartment yep. <laughs> and dies. Shakes
0: his head. It's pretty, it's a good bit. It's a good ongoing bit for Lee Trevino.
1: Yeah so those are my only other nominees so who's your winner out of all of those for me it's still gotta be bob barker i mean it's gotta be it's whether it be just i mean he's in the movie for maybe five minutes maybe and maybe they get in a fight he's got some awesome lines awesome lines and it's just an iconic scene it's great. It's it is
0: a genuinely iconic scene that still to this day um, is memorable. Like it's it's one of the best scenes in a comedy, in a sports comedy. That fight with Bob Barker is just incredible.
1: It's is
0: there's it is one of the truly iconic scenes.
1: More more people need to see it and realize that if you step out of your comfort zone and do something, it could pay off huge for you. It could pay off like, huge. You know, all those people, you know, whether it be actors that refuse to go out of type, whether it be, you know, people that are too stuffy about certain things, if you allow yourself to just have a little bit of fun, it can be right. A, huge for your career. I agree. All right, so let's let's wrap it
0: up with talking about the competition. Our last category is where we focus on the gameplay. How does the gameplay hold up to the actual sport? We already kind of talked about Happy's Happy's drive and how it's not exactly the easiest thing in the world to replicate, but it is something that has been replicated and has been done. Um, But before we get into that unrealistic moments and stuff, obviously we want to talk about the best sports center play, the play in the movie that if it had been in a real sport would show up at the top of the sports center, top 10. I have four nominees Mm -hmm. for four instances here. And obviously you can add more, but I have the hole in one on the par four. Mm -hmm. When he hits that I have, when he fights the gator and kills the gator and gets his ball back. Uh, I have, um, I actually have happy being hit by the car. Okay. As like, that would be, borderline one of the most vicious fan on athlete attacks ever seen in public.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: there's no way that wouldn't be talked about in, in sports center. And then I have, of course, the final putt, the, the goofy golf putt that goes through the wreckage of the car and the tower and winds up going in. So that happy wins the gold jacket. So those are the four that I have. Are there any other plays or sports related items that you think could probably well, I mean, possibly be there's so involved many,
1: there's so many ridiculous things that happen on during the golf competition in this movie that you could put a lot of them on there you know i oh, mean sure. and and a lot of them potentially could be in there for you know the not top 10 that they do on on sports center like <laughs> the golfer, yeah golfer diving into the lake to find his ball that he hits in there or basically every ha- thing that happens in the pro-am with Bob Barker, like you better believe that Bob Barker fight would be on. That's on, true. Uh, Sports center. Or That's true. Or even uh, when shooter has to hit the ball off of, off of the shoe in the, uh, <laughs> in the final tournament.
0: We'll talk about that in unrealistic moments. I have some issues with the rules of, <laughs> of what's going on in here. Yep. Um, I think I I think you're right. Like I think the Bob Barker fight probably is a big one, um, that's on there. Uh, I'll go with that. I mean, it's the it, it's kind of the easy answer because it's again the most iconic scene in the movie. But you mean to tell me if a young up and coming Tiger Woods got in a fight with Pat Sajak at a pro pro am? Like no, like we wouldn't be talking about it. I
1: like how you stick with the game show host. <laughs> I tried to make the comparisons <laughs>
0: a little bit different. Um, a little, I, I wanted to make parallels. Alex, Alex
1: Trebek? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The only two other game show hosts that I think could have subbed in here pretty well um, and yeah. gotten a similar response. So, David, this film is filled with unrealistic moments. Mm-hmm. Um, I have quite a few listed here. I have... The hole in one that we mentioned. Not impossible. It's been it's been done. Yep. But it's rare. Sure. Uh, and then like I have issues like is how how realistic is that fight with Bob Barker? How realistic is Gilmore's Heckler even being like in able to be in the
1: crowd after or he, one or two incidents? He would be gone after one. Yeah. Like with, with what he's saying. Like it's one thing to be talking, like for instance, especially back in 96, like the first year I went to the Pro Am, if you even had your phone out, like even if it was on silent, if you had it out and aimed it, like because you were taking a picture, they would come up and give you one warning to put it away. And if you didn't, if they caught you again, they would take it away from you. So, like, that's how strict these golf tournaments are. Right. And if you yelled in someone's backswing, you'd probably gone be gone the first time definitely wouldn't last more than once, even at no. a pro-am, even at a pro-am, no
0: question. And that leads me to some like, obviously fighting and killing the alligator little or crocodile or what have you little unrealistic, the final putt, pretty freaking unrealistic. But to me, a lot of the, most of the unrealism was in the the inconsistencies of the rules being enforced. Right. Um, for example, the heckler. There's no way the heckler would, would be allowed. That would never stand. But also, m- correct me if I'm wrong, you can't dive into the water to get your ball back.
1: Like, I mean, there's n- you can, but it's not going to be advantageous for you. Like, it's still a penalty stroke. So right. it's not like that's any advantage for you other than, you know, I think for Happy in that tournament when they have him do that, it's more around like, Probably playing up to the I'm poor aspect and I'm not gonna right, I only a, have one ball. I'm not gonna lose a ball to a lake. like I'll just dive in there and get it.
0: <laughs> sure um, I also I just again, the rules there's just a lot of general bullshittery when it comes to the rules. um I'm just gonna rattle off a couple of them from the last from the last tour championship, okay? having to play the ball off a spectator's foot the car crash and continuing the golf tournament after the car crash, the, the tower falling and having to continue the tournament after the tower falling. Like I just, I got like, I call bullshit on all of those.
1: Am I out of line? So there is the rule of playing a ball as it lies, but sure, a, there's also a rule that man-made obstacles or things like that are you get relief as they call it from it okay so if it was if it came to rest on someone's shoe what they would do is they would actually mark where the person was st- where the shoe was with the with the marker and then they would take the ball off of the shoe have the fan obviously move and then right. they would drop it right where you know relatively close to where that shoe was at um and so yes obviously that's ridiculous the tower in that you know obviously is unrealistic from the standpoint of they would have paused cleared the tower out and then had him put right so that's obviously ridiculous the heckler like you said um outside of that i mean everything else is pretty much as it is other than the fact that you know they wouldn't allow half of the stuff going on on the course <laughs> to, to continue to happen. <laughs>
0: no beer bongs and wait. Wh- now what, yeah. Like the, the thing is, is like, you can almost excuse like the heckler and stuff as like happy Gilmore, you know, he encouraged the cheering and whatnot. Sure. Sure. So you, you could write that off. So if you had to pick the most unrealistic moment, what would be your pick?
1: Oh, well, I mean, diving in and killing a gator is, is, <laughs> is, is probably up there. Um, but I would probably call the final putt as the most interesting. Intr- yeah, I mean, it is. Also,
0: so, I mean, it's pretty freaking unrealistic. Like, yes, um, that's true. Sub-question, is the earthquake hole at the mini golf course the greatest mini golf hole ever created?
1: I mean, I would love if there was an actual mini golf that had the earthquake hole. It'd be inc- uh,
0: it's incredible. Like the amount that thing has more animatronics than like a Disneyland attraction. To have to true.
1: reset that every time. It's true. It was pretty fantastic.
0: I loved it. I always loved that. I mean, I'm mostly I enjoy. I'm a big simulated destruction fan, you uh-huh. know, <laughs> whether uh-huh. it be in movies or when I was a kid and I got my race cars and I'm going to destroy them and all that kind of stuff. Like I was always into that. So maybe that was one of the, like that has always carried over as like, a Oh, that's so cool. Look how it turns from a city into earthquake. I always liked that as a kid, but even watching it now, I was like, that's cool. <laughs> if that were a mini golf hole, like that would be the most, Instagrammed, TikTok mini golf hole in the world, probably. <laughs> um, all right. So we also have best game. And I have a few listed here. We, we actually see four, technically, and there's a bunch of tournaments. Obviously, he has his whole tournaments, you know, where he collects his checks. I think he starts getting those big novelty checks a little too early. Um, yeah, you I, don't brought
1: up a, I don't think they'd hand <laughs> yeah. it out for like 65th place. In fact, I think they only hand out the big novelty check for the winner. Right. Oh, congratulations on your 38th place.
0: Here's your $3,200 check. Yeah. Like, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. And there's a bunch of montages, but we actually have four tournaments. We get the Waterbury Open. We get the AT&T Pro-Am, which is his first pro-Pro-Am. We get the Pepsi Pro-Am, which is the Bob Barker uh, fight. And then we get the tournament championship. Um. So if you had to pick from one of those Waterbury, obviously it's funny how there is no training montage. Like Chubbs does not work with happy at all. I, that's also They're a little close. unrealistic. Would he be allowed to have a coach on the course with him calling pause and coaching him during a, uh, a
1: local open tournament like that? I, I don't think so. Uh, probably not. I mean, that size of tournament you know there might be more lacks of rules but definitely not once he gets on the tour you couldn't have any kind of coaching uh right. Which i don't think he actually gets any coaching when he's on the tour but i doubt and if it was an actual qualifier which they have those qualifiers to sure um you know make the tour get your tour card or sometimes it's just a qualifier for a specific tournament like the u.s open um I'm pretty sure if it was a qualifier for anything pro related, they're not going to allow you to have a coach. Like the closest thing they'll allow is your caddy who right. can help you out. Um, but right. obviously he wasn't the caddy in that situation. Should Happy have called Chubbs to caddy for him? Um, you know, it, he obviously should have, but I think he didn't know better. So it's more should Chubbs had volunteered should Chubbs have volunteered to caddy for him.
0: Right. Yeah, probably. So out of those four, the Waterbury being the intro and seeing him kind of fumble his way through golf, the AT&T being his first real tournament, the Pepsi Pro-Am being his big low point, and then obviously the tournament championship. What do you
1: think is what would be your favorite tournament out of those four? You know, while while Bob Barker is my favorite moment, I'm gonna go with with Kevin Nealon and the AT and T Pro. Okay, 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 All the all the advice that he gives to Happy. Uh huh. You know the energy, feel the flow. The bags Good energy. Pa- the black bags, out the bag. <laughs> the bag his bags are packed. Send him it's home. Circular,
0: circle yeah, with the music. Circle, Yes.
1: <laughs> I love Kevin Nealon in this movie and. You know, we get a good amount of golf in that one. It's it's one of the tournaments that we see a good chunk of golf in addition to the Waterbury. Um, it's true. So, I'm I'm gonna go with that one. I'm gonna go
0: with Kevin Nealon. Also, I want to give a shout out. I'm gonna agree with you, and I'm gonna agree with you for a different reason. I completely forgot about the Happy Gilmore cursing and getting bleeped out on television. Oh yeah! But holy shit! That might be, and this is a movie full of funny moments, but I forgot just how effective that scene is and watching him rage and getting bleeped out is so much fun. <laughs> it reminds me, do you remember his song? You remember Adam Sandler used to do albums and stuff and he had the yeah. Piece of Shit car song? Yep. So I remember hearing that song on the radio And it was censored. So every curse word was filled with a a car honk, a different car honk each time. And I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. And then when I actually listened to it on the album, it was uncensored and all the curse words were there. And I just, it just wasn't that funny. Yeah. And so there's something about the implication of the cursing and it being bleeped out and letting your imagination it, – it almost plays with your imagination in, in a, a number of different ways. You know, it, it triggers the idea that this is, oh, this is a little naughty, this is a little unacceptable, and just him going on the tirade. But that all happens in the AT&T uh, pro-am, and yeah. I'm just, it's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah. I, mean, I, I enjoy it because you get introduced to the caddy. And he's washing his underwear in the ball washer. He's picking yeah. up the quarter that someone used as a ball marker, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Uh you get happy riding the golf club. Uh-huh. You know, all there that are a of lot stuff. of good bits. And all all the commentary that you get from uh from Kevin Nealon. you get introduced to Lee Trevino and his head shakes and all that kind of stuff. So even even so, Chubbs watching on TV and telling him he's acting like a damn fool. You're making these. You're looking like a damn fool out there, Carl Weathers, man. Shouts out to
0: Carl Weathers. Like he really didn't do. Like looking at Carl Weathers' filmography, he didn't really do a ton. He did Action Jackson. He did things here there. He did this, and good on him on coming back strong with the Mandalorian and and getting some work yeah. again. Shouts out to Carl Weathers. So let's wrap this up, David. Why does Happy Gilmore, in your assessment? Belong
1: as a Hall of Fame sports film. I think, in short, it's because you can't walk on a golf course. Like if you went walked on a golf course and spent even an hour there, someone would quote Happy Gilmore. Oh, sure. Whether, whether it's on the green and someone makes a putt and someone says Happy learned how to putt, or <laughs> someone hits a better shot than someone else and says Somebody's closer. All that. Um, you know price is the, wrong bitch yeah or you know the game is is circular it goes in a circle you know all the kevin newland stuff or the go to your home ball you know yeah. all that kind of stuff like you can't play a round of golf without someone quoting happy at some point and so that to me alone makes it a hall of fame uh movie but i think obviously if if we were thinking this from a sports standpoint he gets the gold jacket and you know the gold jacket if we're quit if you know we're putting it on that same level as like the masters in the green jacket like they only hand one of those out a year there's not a lot of people running around with those and so that's true get one then then you're kind of a legend in this sport so i think both for the the practical application of the effect that happy gilmore had on the world and the golf world particularly sure um, or movie wise, what he accomplishes, I think, uh, I think he's a hall of famer.
0: I agree, man. And, and, you know, you said it all pretty well, you know, the, the quotes, the, the iconography, the fact that, you know, you see even nowadays you see players who are kind of allowed to let their louder personalities and they kind of embrace their louder personalities, whether it be, you know, with the clothes that they wear or some of their, Actions kind of But not nearly to Happy Gilmore's level Um, It is It's just everything about it is iconic Everything about it is Locked in Is It's permeated Into the popular You know uh, the, The population's conscious thoughts Of golf And that's what makes it iconic That's what makes all of these sports movies That we've talked about this month iconic that is going to do it for our sports movie month. Before we wrap up, I want to remind everybody that you can get free episodes of the Popcorn Diet delivered to you at just by hitting the button, just by hitting subscribe, hitting that follow button. So take a second, hit the button, give us a rating, give us a review, share us with your other, other good movie buddies. We also want to remind you to check us out on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash diet and consider becoming a patron of the podcast. Not only is it going to help us improve the podcast, but it's going to give you access to exclusive patron-only episodes like our franchise refills, like early access to ad-free free uh, regular episodes and more check us out patreon.com slash the popcorn diet of course we don't want you to forget to follow us on facebook on twitter on instagram at the popcorn diet and last but certainly not least you can find all of our latest regular episodes articles and more on our website popcorndietpodcast.com but for the canadian machine mr david melhorn i am your very best good movie buddy rick williamson and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the popcorn diet. Adios.